Hello, and welcome to your 100% nuclear warning free Montreal Canadiens podcast. This is Locked On Canadians, episode 71. And we are here with you every day of the week to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Laura Saba, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am joined, as always, by noted Packers fan, Scott <laughs> Matloff. Scott, how are you doing? I am partially stressing, partially not stressing, because at the time of recording this, Aaron Rodgers just threw a 40-yard touchdown pass, and I'm having quite the day. I got to insult Skip Bayless on Twitter. I got to enjoy some Pickering nuclear meltdown memes this morning. Ilya Kovalchuk is a Montreal Canadian. I can't believe that's still a thing I'm saying in 2020, but I am great today, actually, and it's <laughs> going to be a really good show, I think. I'm glad to hear it, and those of you listening to the podcast on Monday will probably, as the show progresses, be able to gauge how the Packers game was going based on Scott's tone. But in the <laughs> meantime, we are a Montreal Canadiens podcast, and we are here to recap the weekend game as, as well as to preview tonight's game against the Calgary Flames. But first, we have some business to attend to. It is Monday, and if you've been listening to the show regularly, you will know that we name a listener of the week on Mondays. Now, if you're a new listener to the show, it, that just means we basically name a person and show our appreciation for them for interacting with us, whether you do it on our Twitter account, LO underscore Canadians, or you do it via Gmail. We have a Gmail account, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Or even in person, if you listen to the show regularly and you share your opinions with us, if you have thoughts on the show, whether it's constructive criticism or just, you know, you disagree with our arguments or if you, even if you want to say nice things, we like when you say nice things. <laughs> but in any case, every Monday we name a listener of the week for the previous week based on people who interact with us. And this week, it's going to be no surprise. It's going to be Benjamin Sewell, who's been interacting with us for, for quite a while. But last week, you know, he brought up a few thoughts more than once on multiple days. We love that. So thanks to ben, Benjamin. And we also name a player of the week based on the previous week. Now, we didn't do this over the holidays, but also there was an eight-game losing streak. So we couldn't really... You know, there were players that we liked that we would want, we would have wanted to shout out, but the team wasn't doing very well. But they finally snapped their losing streak, and we have to say that Carey Price had a lot to do with it, and we'll get more into the game recap a little bit later in the show. But I think, Scott, you'll agree that Ilya Kovalchuk deserves to be the player of the week for last week. Yes. The, I don't want to say timeless Russian sniper, but a guy who looks like he's turned back the clock a little bit. Even in the Canadians' losing efforts in the past week or so, Ilya Kovalchuk has looked like, he looks like someone who knows this is his last chance to make an impact in the NHL, and he's making the absolute most of it. He had, I believe, three assists in his first uh, three games, and then obviously against Ottawa, we all saw what he did. I yelled so loudly, I woke up people in my house, I'm pretty sure, but... Uh, his goal was just the cherry on top of what was a really good comeback week for the 36-year-old winger. And if you're in the camp that believes that the Montreal Canadiens should tank the rest of the season and try and improve their draft pick, uh, somebody should have given Ilya Kovalchuk the memo. They probably shouldn't have signed him if that's if that was supposed to be the intention, because he really does look like a new player, a new person. 
for me, the the moment that he scored and the joy on his face and it looked like the gratitude, it wasn't a relief. It was a joy on his face. And I just like I love that. I love that attitude. He seems very determined to make the most of his time on the Montreal Canadiens, much like, you know, a couple of other players that I say, like, you know, uh, I want to shout out Nate Thompson. If you were watching the game on Hockey Night in Canada or you might have seen this floating around on Twitter, there was a an interview that. Uh, Sportsnet did with Nate Thompson and his wife about his struggles with addiction and about him hitting rock bottom. And I, I want to say that like, that's the kind of role model. I think we've discussed it in the past on this show, but I really love that there are human beings on the, on the team that are sharing their struggles and they're sharing their comebacks and they're, they're giving people hope and inspiration. It's very, very hard to overcome an addiction. And, and when, when you're looking at, the role of a sports team, you know, it's sort of, it's a bit of escapism, but young players do, or young people in general, look up to athletes. And for an athlete to be like, you know what, I'm very human. I have had a very human experience in my life. I battle this every day. And here's how I came back from it. I like, I find that that's an extremely inspiring thing. So I just wanted to shout that out as well. And I, you know, another player that I think is making most of his time on, his, on the Canadians. He does have a little bit more time left, but Jonathan Drouin, and we're very hopeful for his comeback. And the reason that I say that is because on Friday, our friend Adam Gretz posted an article where he did the math. I don't know if he did the math himself or he had like some sort of um, automated help. But he did the math for every team and the record that they need to have for the rest of the season if they would like to make the playoffs. And obviously, the Canadians have their work cut out for them. At the time that he posted it, it was Friday. The Canadians had yet to play the Ottawa game. And the record that they would have needed, or that they still will need for the rest of the season, is 27-10-0. They've already won one of those games. So now it's 26-10-0. What do you think, Scott? I think that it's not impossible, but it might be improbable if I'm looking at this, you know, logically. 26, 10 and 0 is a heck of a record to try and have. And quite frankly, that's, that's a hard pace to keep up, especially with as beat up as the Canadians have been. But we've seen this team go like, what was it? 6, 2 and 0 across eight games in December. Well, there's this beat up and they're supposed to be getting Armia and Druan back, possibly Gallagher after the all-star break, I would imagine. It's not impossible, but I, I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm going to, you know, root for this team in everything. And if they pull it off, I think it would be an incredible thing. Not quite the Blues last year, but it would still be quite the uh, showcase of this team, what they could do even after all these obstacles were thrown in their way. Right. And even if you are an advocate for tanking, even if you are an advocate for tanking, we talked about how hard it's going to be to get a top three draft pick anyway. So, if you watch the team like pull out a 26, 10 and 0 record for the rest of the, like it's, it's miraculous. And if they're able to do that for me, I think there's no telling how far they can go. I would say they could even reach the conference finals if they manage to do it. Again, it's a massive tall order, but at the same time, they're not in as bad as the boat as some other teams who probably don't really have any hope of making the playoffs. Yeah, it's, as I'm, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually look at this article right here and some of the teams that are behind Montreal and the record, Detroit to make the playoffs or to qualify by the model Gretz is using 97 points, 
Detroit would have to go 36 and 2 to end the season to make the playoffs. That's a 947 winning percentage. They can't even get a goalie to have a 947 save percentage in a game. How are they going to manage that? Even the Sabres are right there with the Canadians. They need to go 26 and 12 to make the playoffs. Uh the Devils need to go 30 and 9. The Senators need to go 30 and 9. As rough as it might be for the Canadians, they have some wiggle room in terms of wins and losses here. I, I'm like I said, I'm not going to hold my breath. But if anyone could possibly do it, it might be this team that last year was just too stubborn to quit at all. And speaking of not quitting, we want to recap the Ottawa Senators game, in which it seemed like they might have been quitting, but they came out on top in the end. And that's coming up in just a moment. So. The Habs finally won a game after another eight-game losing streak, their second of the season, and the play in the game itself did not seem super convincing. But luckily, Carey Price kept them in the game, and Ilya Kovalchuk won them the game. So that's, you know what, building blocks, baby steps. That's step one (laughs) of the rest of the, you know, the the 27, 10 and 0 that we were talking about in the previous segment. What did you think of the game? I thought that the Canadians in the first uh, first quarter, sorry, football in the brain, in the first period were incredible. And, you know, they could have been up by several goals. They were so dominant in the first period that as bad as they were in the last two periods, they still won the possession battle, which is absolutely bonkers to me because they only had, I think, like three shots in the third period. And in that game, watching it, watching some of these penalties happen and some of these scoring chances, Carey Price was as close to immaculate as you can get. And even the goal that he gave up deflected off a skate while he was going across to make a save on the actual shooter. And it's like, I don't know what you want Carey Price to do there. He did everything possible on it. And if it wasn't for him, they lose that game by four or five goals, I feel like. Ottawa was all over them in the second half of that game. And for everyone who talked about Carey Price's struggles and him being frustrated, and he himself admitting he's frustrated and going back to what he knows to help the team win, we saw Carey Price there. All the pucks that hit him swallowed up. Even in scrambles, he was, you know, calm and collected in his movements. He was back to the form of the guy that we knew. Even Shea Weber was in rare form. I mean, outside of not scoring a goal, he was whistling shots all across the net there. A little bit high, but, you know, no one's perfect. He was laying massive hits on, you know, Senators players. He was everywhere that they needed him to be. And then in the end, it was Ilya Kovalchuk in overtime who slowed down just enough, got a two-on-one, recognized he had a forward-playing defense, and then just waited out the rookie forward. And and Ilya Kovalchuk is very good at one thing, and that's shooting the puck. And he did just that. All the people that we were looking for more from or needing more from, we finally got it from a bunch of them in this game. And it wasn't pretty, but when you're trying to make the playoffs after, the lose, after an eight-game losing streak, you don't care about pretty. You just care about two points in the bank, and that's what the Canadians got. Yeah, and, and the thing about them, the, you know, the Senators giving – the Habs, all they've got, you know, when, when the Habs are struggling, it's a rival team. They kind of smell blood in the water, right? I, I'm sure they would have loved to hand the Habs another loss. It would have been the ninth street. But the thing that's really important is that yes, they only managed three shots on goal, 
But at the same time, you know, when you're talking about like still dominating possession, even though you're playing badly, like that, that's something that the Canadians keep being able to do. So I think the problem is not whether or not they have the puck. I think the problem is the quality of offense that they are able to generate. And so I just, I, I, there's, there's a lot of debate about that game because they did, you know, in the second and third period, they did play badly, but at the end of the day, they still managed to win. And a lot of times, like you have to, if, if you're going to look at the results, if you're going to look at the eight game losing streak and say process doesn't matter, results matter, you can't then turn around and say, well, the result doesn't matter in this game because the process matters more. I think it's a combination of both. I think if you don't have a solid process like in an 82-game season and then God knows how many games you're going to play in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what results you get because eventually they're going to even out. You're going to regress to the mean, as we used to say five or six years ago. That's still valid. Um, and you're still going to, you know, you're not, you're, not, you're not getting anywhere. So for me, like that game, like sometimes you just kind of have to take the W and be really happy about it. No matter, you know, the garbage wins or the ugly wins, as you call them, like stealing two points, I'm perfectly fine with that. So as much as it is like, you know, it's hurting their draft position or whatever, like I think we all need to kind of let go of the idea that the Canadians are going to get a top three draft pick unless they're really, really lucky. And I think we just need to be like, hey, they won a game. Can we enjoy the win? Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. It's like I was kind of watching that and like, Carey Price stole one point. On one hand, that's bad for the tank. On the other hand, that's our $10.5 million goalie playing like a $10.5 million goalie. That's a good thing. And then watching Kovalchuk uh, race in on his first attempt in overtime and not be able to score it. And I I said it in the article I wrote for Eyes on the Prize last night. It's like, why can't you just give me the Yulia Kovalchuk goal I want? And then before I could even hit send, he scored that goal, and it was just incredible. It's one of those things that it's like, just enjoy it. Like you said, just enjoy the win. It doesn't always have to be about, oh, this is good for the team. This is good for the team. This is what's best for the team. This is what's best for the team. Just enjoy the win. Enjoy the weekend. It's been a crazy fun weekend for sports, you know. Just enjoy it. That's all you got to do. And it's definitely the kind of game that it's the Senators. It's always fun to beat the Senators. Come on. Everyone knows it's fun to beat the Senators, right? Absolutely. And there's only one more thing I want to touch on before we move on to our Flames game preview, and that is Nick Suzuki on the power play. Why was this not always a thing? And can it never not be a thing ever again? Yeah, he's he's so smart. And the best part is he did it in front of his old teammates, too, who were probably like, oh, wow, yeah, I remember when he did that in junior, only now he's doing it to an NHL team. And he's grown so much. I know that we've gushed about him at least once a week since he, you know, he made the team. But he's just so good, and he's only getting better. Apparently, one of the scouts compared him to an early Patrice Bergeron and thinks Nick Suzuki is going to be that type of player going forward for the Canadians, and that's high praise for a 20-year-old forward. And if he becomes a Patrice Bergeron for the Canadians, it, we're la- the team is laughing into the future with that kind of center depth that they have going right now. Maybe we can have a regular segment, not even a segment, just like a regular like content thing of the Nick Suzuki moment of the game, because then we're kind of like building into our show, the gushing that we're going to do anyway. What is the Nick Suzuki moment of the game? Yes, I am entirely here for the Nick Suzuki moment of the game. 
And even if he doesn't score, he's going to give us something because he just makes things happen. And he's just so, 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 so good at it. We are very big fans on this podcast, but we also have another game tonight that we need to preview. And it's against the Calgary Flames. The Flames are in town and they, they were in the news over the weekend. So we're going to talk a little bit about that right up next. The Calgary Flames are in Montreal tonight to play against the Montreal Canadiens, and we're hoping that the Canadiens can generate a win streak of two games after the eight-game losing streak. Obviously, the Flames are a really good team. They're going to have their work cut out for them. It's not that I don't believe in the Habs. It's that it's just a rough time for them right now. But you know what? If they win, If they win tonight's game, I'm going to be looking at the rest of the season in a whole new light. But in the meantime, the Flames did some stuff over the weekend, (laughs) (laughs) and Scott has some feelings about that stuff. Calling it stuff is very generous, too. It's not even what the Flames did, it's what led to... So, for those who don't know, uh, Matthew Kachuk is annoying in a usually pretty good way in that he's very good at drawing penalties out of being annoying, So it was the Battle of Alberta on Saturday night between the Oilers and the Flames, and Kachuk basically put a bullseye right onto Zach Cassian. And the entire night, anytime he saw 44 on his jersey, he laid a hit on him. And the first one uh, came kind of from the blind side as Kachuk came around the net, knocked off Cassian's helmet. No penalty was called. There will be no suspension for it. Department of Player Safety said and everything else. And then late in the game, or late in the second period, I believe, uh, Cassie was along the boards. He had his head down and then he peels his head up and Kachuk slams into him with a reverse hit. Doesn't hit him in the head. Cassian's helmet comes popping off and the minute he gets up, he throws off his gloves, goes and basically assaults Matthew Kachuk, who is not paying attention to him because the play is still going. Cassian grabs him and just starts wailing at him. And even as they're trying to separate them, Cassian kept punching and punching and punching him. Somehow in all of this, Kachuk was not assessed a penalty. He didn't do anything wrong on that play. Cassian was somehow only given four minutes for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct in a thing where he kept punching a defenseless player while the officials tried to break it up. And then after the game, he used a derogatory slur towards Matthew Kachuk and then claimed he would do it again if he had, if he could. He has a meeting with the Department of Player Safety on Monday, today, and will probably by the time, you know, you're listening to this in the evening, they'll probably have handed down some sort of punishment, I would hope. And quite frankly, anyone who watched that clip of Cassian losing his mind, he should get a lengthy suspension for that, not only because what he did was reprehensible on the ice, but what he claimed he would do it again. He's giving away intent to what he wants to do against the division rival. And quite frankly, that's dangerous in the NHL. And not saying that anyone on the Canadians is quite as loose a cannon as Zach Cassian, but tying this in, Matthew Kachuk is the kind of person who can get an entire team off their game because he's so much of a pest and the Canadians needing to stay focused and stay out of the box and just play their style of hockey can't afford to be sucked into that kind of game right now. Absolutely. In terms of tonight's game, I think the Canadians kind of need to step it up and go toe-to-toe with the Flames, like in terms of speed, in terms of playing really tight and tough and and, and fast. I think that that's going to, you know, enable them to win the game. They did win 
they did win their previous game against Calgary, so it's not like it's unheard of. And the things that we keep forgetting during the slump is that this this team is capable of being really good. But in terms of Kachuk and Cassian, I feel like a guy like Kachuk, like you have to you have to be able to rise above that because he's kind of he's like Brendan Gallagher, but possibly more annoying. I would say. I don't know. Like, uh, my, my perspective is obviously I love Brendan Gallagher. So, but at the same time, like, you can't, first of all, you can't assault a player. You can't, like, drag him out of the play and start beating him up. Second, you can't continue to try to beat him up after people are trying to pull you off of him. And third, you can't say that you wanted to do it or that you want to do it again. Like, that to me, like, whatever happened on the ice was stupid enough. But then, when you say it, like, if you ever hit him again, like, if you ever, like, so much as, like, have, like, a hip check or something like that, like, that's premeditated at that point because you've already mentioned it. So as much as we talk about we don't trust the NHL to do the right thing in this case, I don't see how he could say something like that and then get away with it with no punishment. It's, well, it's the, it, look, and I hate to be this guy, it, it's the NHL is that Brad Marchand, after he attacked Lars Eller, I think it was two years ago, in his post-game interviews, like, oh yeah, he had a comment. I would do, you know, I definitely did that on purpose. Like he gave, he was given away intent in his post-game interview. Like it was in the open. There was video of it and the NHL went, nah, you know, whatever. And that's what worries me so much is that something like this should be, would be cut and dry in any other sport. They'd be like, yeah, you're, you're suspended like forever. Just go away kind of thing. Uh, and for the Canadians, like we were saying, we know how annoying Kachuk is. This is a team that's thin on players right now. The last thing they need to do is get suckered into something like this and do something dumb. We know Max Domi has a temper. We know Shea Weber can have a temper. We The last thing any of them need to do is take themselves off the ice in this game. Like you said, they need to go blow for blow for with this Calgary team. This is a Calgary team that played Zach Ronaldo with under two minutes left, and then he got stuck out there trying to defend an empty net. Zach, or not defend an empty net, defend against an Oilers team with an extra attacker with the empty net. That's Zach Ronaldo, the guy who's most infamous for getting suspended in two leagues at once. They're a beatable team, and Montreal has the right players to make something of it. They just got to stay out of the shenanigans against a team like Calgary. And speaking of shenanigans, we are going to be back tomorrow with the recap of the game. We're really hoping that um, Kachuk does not goad any Canadians into any anything stupid. Uh, and you know what? If they if they win tonight, tomorrow's podcast is going to be a whole new... We're going to be thinking about it like a whole new season, and we're going to be a lot more optimistic about the future. But in the meantime, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. If you want to email us, we're at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you want to follow Scott, he's at Scott Matla. He has a lot of takes about Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember which one of them because there's uh, what's-his-face as well. Oh, my Stephen God. Stephen A. Smith. That, yes. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one you had insulted on Twitter, uh, but also if you care about the Laval Rocket. He covers the Laval Rocket. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at the Active Stick. I don't actually cover anything or insult anybody lately, but I promise to be more interesting on Twitter if you will follow me on there. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.